Well, if you're watching on replay, good evening, good morning. Welcome to Probate Weekly. I'm Bill Gross. And we do this every Thursday, 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern. We live stream it on YouTube, Facebook, and LinkedIn as well. Uh, we get together every week to, to really improve uh, as professionals in probate, particularly real estate. So we have attorneys, but mostly real estate agents, investors, vendors get together. And on this call every Thursday, I interview uh, leading professionals, vendors uh, to help us understand the business, how they do business, and how we can do it better. Um, I am still waiting for our uh, guest to pop in here today. So before we get started, I'm going to just get the housekeeping out of the way so we can hit the ground running when he gets here. Um, Probate Weekly, just so you know, uh, if you want to register, you go to probateweekly.com and register if you want to come in on the live stream. It's meant to be participative. The idea was this is a unique place to come, ask questions and interact with leading professionals to learn about the business and get your questions answered. It's a national platform. Even though I'm a broker specializing in probate in LA, I have a team across the country and I'm looking to build a platform across the country. So we've interviewed attorneys so far, I think from 13 states as well as a national platform of vendors. So go to probateweekly.com to register on the Eventbrite. And then we continue the conversation to look at Probate Weekly's Facebook group. On Facebook, go to Probate Weekly. We have 3,000 members. And what I tell agents is it's a great opportunity for you to um, uh, post your uh, content related to probate real estate. I'm glad to have you come and um, um, post your content because we all have content to build our businesses. And this is one of the tools is put it here in our Facebook group. Also, you can look for referrals. If you find an attorney, need an attorney in another state or need a real estate agent in another state, it's a great place to do that for probate business. Now, my name is Bill Gross. You go to my link tree, linktr.ee slash Bill Gross. All my good stuff on it. Daddy, I'm coming. Right. And I'm oh! going to emphasize this week is I'm opening a real estate email marketing masterclass. Uh, I'm doing this because I end up training. Oh my God. Do this regularly. Oh. I, mean, I think it's so You're important. Stupid. Teach what's working today, not work, work 20 years ago when I wasn't selling real estate, but what I'm using today to build my business and you should use to build your business. These are the steps I tell agents all the time they need to start on before they can build their business. It's only $97 uh, and I have a money back guarantee. It's a one hour class. You get the, you can also buy the video if you want to replay it, but then we'll have four small group sessions one a week to cover the four different segments of the program after that and what i tell you is you should be able to increase your email marketing presence by 16 times grant cardone says 10x which i love 10x right there you have a 10x flag right here but i say 16 times because you can double your audience your database you can double your frequency if you you can double your channels if you reuse your purpose and repurpose your content and you can double the quality of people's reactions if you know what you're doing. Two times two times two times two isn't doubling, but 16 times the effort. So I'd love to see you participate in that as well. Okay, let me go back and turn off the share screen. And I see our guest is here. Let me get him on board. Um, let's see here. Sorry, our, uh, our director, me, is a little slow today. Um, let's see, let's uh, get him on his, um, you stupid nigger! 
Son of a bitch, I hate niggers. And you are a nigger. I see your name. I'm going to change the name to just you. Daddy, I'm coming. That's okay. Hi, Bill. I'm going to turn you off. And do we have him here? This is one of our, I'm really excited to have him. He's been our most popular guest as long as I've done this program. Oh, and he fell off. Connection. Oh, there he is, Paul Horn. Where you at? Bill, what is that noise in the background? There you go. Paul Horn. Bill. Uh, I think you're muted, unless it's me. Hold on a second. <clears throat> That's me. Hold on. Hello? Yeah, what, what is that crazy no, noise in the background, Bill? Here. There we go. Paul Horn, how you doing? Yeah, what is that crazy noise in the background? Uh, did you hear me? Bill, you had a bomber. No. Oh. You really? have a bomber in the background, and it's been going on for the past five minutes. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, let's solve that problem right now. So <laughs> I'm so sorry. You know, I had the wrong audio settings, so I couldn't hear myself, but I'm not going to let anybody else unmute themselves. And then let's see, we'll mute Christopher. Okay. Nobody else should be able to make any noises now. So sorry about that. So you guys hear me at all? Yes. Yes. I yeah. You. Okay. You're loud okay. and clear. Okay, good. So we should be good now. Paul, Joanne, thank you so much for the help there, helping us with that, Joanne. So who is this? Well, Brian is saying something in the chat box now. We'll get there. We'll, we'll, we'll get there. Hold on, Brian. You need <clears throat> to mute everything. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. I, you know, when I set up my Zoom, I have different audios for different applications. <clears throat> I couldn't hear myself, uh, and so all the time that was going on, I apologize to everybody. I couldn't really hear what was going on there, so we'll have to fix that going forward. There's nobody else who's making any noises. Okay, so let me introduce properly then. I think the, the term I use when I describe him is the most prolific uh, attorney in LA County probate court, meaning he does the most probate cases in LA County. He also does business outside of LA County. And he's, uh, in terms of private practice, the, I think the county does more, but there's a team of people. Uh, but he's one that you see most often, I think, when you come to, when you come to the program. And more, and in addition to that, he also is the instructor for the California Association of Realtors certification program in probate. Uh, and I've seen him in court when uh, pre-COVID, I used to go all the time and I would see him. And he's the guy who would be in three courts at once and the judge who wanted to get one on early, one on late. Uh, that's why he's so skinny because he runs up and down the courtroom. Now he's on video. I don't know how come, how you keep your uh, uh, fighting trim weight. But in addition to all that, uh, I'll share Paul Horn Law is his uh, law firm uh, website. And then as real estate agents, you might also know uh, probate money is a great resource. I subscribe to it. I don't get paid. I don't get a discount. I'm not asking for one. I use it all the time. Um, I don't use it for data, uh, meaning I don't cold call it. I use it more for looking up cases. And then it has a great report that I send to my prospects when I'm talking about a case. I think it's really in that sense, unmatched of all the software in, uh, in the probate space. Anyhow, welcome, Paul Horn. Welcome back. Thank you. How are you? I'm doing great, and uh, you know, I, I, you know, started my my journey in probate with you speaking at a real estate office years and years ago, and then caught you again, and it's really great to see you in particular because you've really been a nice part of my progress. So, give us a little background. How do you, when somebody says to you, I, I can't imagine anybody ever say this to you, what do you do? How do you answer that? Because you do so much. What do you do? How do you answer that? Oh, I um. I'm a full-blown um, probate attorney. I do probate and trust. Only, only two things: living trust and probate. That those are the only two things that we do here. 
And I think that's an important distinction for those of us, if you're a real estate agent, we've all been through a, a Facebook group or a chat where it says, oh, I need an attorney referral. And you'll see like 15 names are recommended and nobody's even told you what they need. And here, Paul, who's a great accomplished attorney, very successful, is telling you, he only does two things. Doesn't really do DUIs regularly. Doesn't do divorces probably regularly though. I imagine you cross over maybe in divorce court once in a while as a probate that ends up in divorce court or something. But those are two things he does. And I think that's a really important distinction when we have customers who just pick an attorney. And, and I'll tell you, I don't know if you know this, Paul, if you were to download all the data in LA County and sort by attorneys, 90% of the cases are handled by attorneys who've done one or less probate in the last 12 months. And yeah. that's why when you have a chance to meet really a master or an expert, <clears throat> that's the privilege you have here today. So, um, so you do estate planning and probate cases. Um, and let's talk a bit about your business. I think there's another misconception that there's like, like you're like a McDonald's. There's a line out the door to your office of people bringing you probate cases. And then you hand out listing leads to realtors unattached to the cases. What percentage of your cases come to you referred by a real estate agent in particular? Oh, I would say probably all of it. Um, I, I, I teach like this. And, um, and realtor comes to me because they know that their transaction is going to be very smooth. Yeah. You know, you're, as a real estate professional, your job is to sell it for the highest price, to have a smooth clothing, uh, escrow closing. And that's what I give them. Yeah. I get them full authority. And so, yeah, so I, I, I know the real estate industry well. And so it kind of go hand in hand. I pride myself in helping you guys make sure that things go smoothly. And I think that, you know, when I watched your business and I realized we as realtors have it backwards, we think when we take your class or the other company's classes that somehow we're going to learn how to get business from attorneys. And the reality is you make us look good when we have a lead in a probate and we don't know a lot about it, you're going to take our client and us by the hand to some degree mm -hmm. and help the client through the process. And I think also uh, mm -hmm. through your, your teachings, your classes and such, teach us how to do the process as well. And that, that's what I really appreciate about it. Um, what percentage of your cases do you get in probate full authority versus limited? And I know you don't control all that because it depends on the customer <laughs> and the case and the situation, oh, but I, you, yeah, it's I your focus. Say, yeah, I, I would say 99.5% full authority. Right. And I would say in LA County, the number is 90%, not 99%, because most attorneys don't know kind of the edges of how to get those cases approved for full authority. Yeah. And so what's the difference to your client if it's full or limited authority? So, so with limited authority, even though you have an accepted offer, even though you're ready to close escrow, you still got to go in front of the judge to get the judge to approve that sale. So what does that mean? So for example, you're selling a house in probate because it's limited authority, you have to get an offer first. The buyer is going to have to put 10% down 
And then the lawyer is going to have to publish in a legal newspaper. It's going to cost a grand, let's just say. He's going to have to file something with the court that says, hey, judge, you know, please confirm this sale, court confirmation, pay the court filing fee of 465. So there's a lot of delay. So probably an extra three or four months delay, get to court. So Bill will tell you that the lawyer shows up in, the, the probate attorney shows up in court, the listing agent show up, the uh, buyer's agent show up, the buyer shows up, and other buyer can show up to bid on the house to essentially take the offer away, steal the house. Right. And so imagine you, you're buying a house and it happens to be a probate limited authority. You're the buyer. Are you gonna like the fact that you're gonna do the appraisal, spend money on inspection, get your offer accepted, put a 10% down, a crazy 90 day, 100 day escrow closing period, show up in court, and some Joe Schmo shows up and just happens to maybe, for whatever reason, bid on this house right. and wins the bid, right. and you lost that property. Right. So, Bill, would you like that as a buyer, Bill? No, and and, and you're also not uh, also adding that their money's tied up in the escrow all that time. Their deposit, their deposit money. And is at risk they can't back out because they put the money down so they have three percent down or ten percent down or whatever the number is sitting in escrow for months oh and by the way the court generally gives you a filing date 31 days or so when you file but the last one i did it was 90 days because the court was busy so so it was publication get the offer and wait another 90 days for the court date to get closed so you're right it's just it's never good, right? There's nothing good that comes uh, from the process. Maybe it'll overbid, but they probably would have overbid it, like you say, had it been a normal sale. And so what are the kinds of things you do? I know that, and I don't want you not going to disparage your, your colleagues, but I'm sure you see other cases where attorneys don't do certain things to make it full authority they could and they accept limited authority. What are some of the things that you look for to get it to full authority that maybe an inexperienced attorney might not think of? Okay, so, so and, and that's an interesting statistic that you brought out. You said that what, um, probate attorneys, if you look at the record, they only do that one probate per year or something? Right, Is that what you right. Said? if I take you know, the last 12 months, 90% have only done one transaction or less. I mean, they did no other one, or that's, or they did that one and one other at most. So they've okay, yeah. done one or less other uh, probate. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And so, okay. So, uh, so a lot, so a lot of probate attorney who might do a lot of living trusts, might do a lot of estate planning, but don't necessarily do probate, go to court. Okay. And so when they are faced with situation where mom died. The son is a, the son, mom has four children. The son 
who wants to be the personal representative has really bad credit. And sometimes with bad credit, um, he or she is not bondable, meaning so so in a in a probate, it normally takes one year to do. Okay, it normally takes one year to do. Um, if you don't mind, Bill, I would like to share yeah. with your audience um, this terrific um, this terrific California probate process. Let me just kind of um, I'm going to drop this into the chat so they can download it if they wish. Okay. And so what I wanted to show everybody on screen is that, okay, so a probate takes one year to do, takes one year to complete. You, the realtor, have to understand, okay, probate takes a year to do, but I can close escrow fairly fast. I can close escrow 90 days from the day the probate was started. So let's say I start probe, let's say I start the case today, <clears throat> September 21st. You can close escrow by, oh, let me see here. We got October, November, December. Yeah, by December um, 21st, you should be able to close escrow. So then the money sits in, in a state account controlled by the personal representative. Now the personal representative, what if he runs away with the money? What if he abscond with the money? In that case, the bond company will pay all the other heirs. <clears throat> and so just in case if that son, that daughter runs away with the money, the insurance company will pay for it. That's called a bond. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you have a son or a daughter who is not bondable, meaning horrible credit. And so when it's horrible credit, <clears throat> it's not bondable. That's like the number one reason why limited authority happens, for example. Okay, so I would say that's probably the primary reason why it gets kicked to limited authority. Now, now I'd like to add two pieces to your explanation. One is this whole this whole sh screen he's sharing is available in his probate money product. And what's nice about that is I can't give legal advice to a customer, but I can pull up Paul Horn's probate money and share that exact same screen, which I've done, and show a customer timeline and explain things. And it's a, it's a very handy tool. It's a really nice graphic. I think the second thing I would say is that mm -hmm. Also, just to add to your to your comment, that that's true for you when they're not bondable is the only case. But you have you have colleagues I've seen in court. I know you've seen it. You don't have to agree with me. Where the judge will say, "Well, do you want full limited authority? What's the difference?" Well, full is a bond of six hundred thousand. Limited is twenty thousand dollar bond, and they'll choose limited authority because it's a cheaper bond, saving a couple hundred bucks on the bond. And in, in the long run, making the sell for themselves and their customer a lot harder and a lot more expensive. And that's a mistake I've seen attorneys make over and over and over again. Okay. So I'm going to say something. So when you go court confirmation, 
<clears throat> because it's limited authority, you got to file in a newspaper. Some newspaper charge a thousand bucks because you got to publish your newspaper. That's one thousand right. bucks. Right. The court filing fees four sixty five. So now we're at fifteen hundred bucks just cost. Right. The lawyer is going to charge another forty five hundred bucks because he's got to go to court. It's called extraordinary right. fee right. on top of the statutory fee. Right. Listen, I'm not saying that's the reason, but I'm right. saying that that happens it's going to happen if it's court confirmation the lawyer will tag on an additional 4500 5500 yep. for lawyers fee on top of newspaper publication and another court filing fees and about another reason that you can't say <laughs> which is that some attorneys say well it's it's um more secure to have the court order the sale that way nobody can say that you sold it on the cheap and i tell them well my job is to get full market price and we document it with the MLS, we document it with all the things we do. But the, it's interesting how many cases end up full of uh, limited authority um, with inexperienced attorneys because they don't know what they're doing and they pass on that security to the customer and as a result, it becomes difficult. So staying in probate as opposed to estate planning for a second, I'm sure I know one of the common problems that you get is a customer comes to you and say, hey, Paul, we didn't we didn't think of you when we did our estate plan, or we didn't know about you when we did our estate plan. We did it years ago. And we had this beautiful estate plan. It's in a box, it's beautiful paper, it all looks nice. But we never actually deeded the property into the, the trust. We have this trust, the Bill and, and uh, Nancy Trust, but we never put the property in the trust. Now, this is unique, I think, to California that we have a process where in some cases, you can, after the fact, correct that situation um, can you talk a little bit about the Hickstead petition? Because I think that's fairly common for us as real to the common scenario. Yeah, yeah. So, so, <clears throat> so those of you online right now who has a trust probably have a binder like this. Okay. So when you go get your living trust done, the lawyer will give you a binder like this. Inside the binder ought to be the trust the durable power of attorney, the advanced health care directive, a grand deed deeding the house into the trust. Okay. Now, if you use a paralegal or some cheap old whatever, that might not get done, first of all. Okay. They might not do the complete job, not putting the house in that. So that's so so reason number one, you have a trust but the house is not in the trust you don't so mom died there's a trust but the house is not in the trust hopefully it's a good enough trust where you can convince the judge that, hey judge there are there are cases in the past known as the Hegstead case where we can convince the judge that it was mom intent for the house to be in the trust. So we can avoid a probate if there is a, a good enough trust that shows clear intent by mom, by dad, that the house ought to be part of the trust. We can do this thing called Hexstead petition where the judge would sign off and say, okay, fine. This house, 123 Main Street, Los Angeles, will be part of the trust. So that's called a Hexstead petition. So for all of you out there, 
when you dealing with when you're dealing with someone who passed away like a homeowner who passed away the first thing you ought to do is you ought to pull up the grand deed just pull up the grand deed okay i'm going to show you i'm going to show you another screen okay i'm going to show you another screen i'm, I'm going to give you another great pdf okay the pdf that i just drop into the chat box looks like this looks like this the next time you encounter a transaction where the decedent the homeowner pass away you simply call up your title rep hey title rep could you please email me the grandee 123 main street los angeles they email you the grandee and it's going to show you great the house is in the trust hey wonderful no probing necessary you ask the children for a copy of the trust the trust is going to identify who is the successor trustee bam there you go you have the successor trustee sign your listing agreement okay you pull the grandee the house is not in a trust too bad so sad welcome to probate <laughs> and in a probate the personal representative is the individual that's going to sign your listing agreement. Okay, so this, pull out your iPhone, take a picture of this. This is a very important screen. Baby boomers are going to be passing away. They control 40% of all real estate. When they die, when they pass away, when that homeowner passed away, your best friend are, is are either going to be the successor trustee or the personal representative because they are the one with the power to sign your listing agreement or to sell the house to you. This is a very important screen. Okay, so so yeah, so first thing you do, pull up the grandee. It's gonna and Sometimes when you pull up the grandee, the house is under mom's name. But if the children show you there's a trust, then that's why you do what Bill just told you. Do a hex that petition. The lawyer can do that for you to avoid the probate altogether. It's so interesting because I often try to get title reps to come on this call because what you're telling them is get the grandee. Now, as a realtor, we have some access to grantees. Uh, title reps give us services that let us get them. Mm -hmm. And uh, I should have one on here who I can point to and say, call so-and-so and he'll set you up. It's just funny how I can't get one to come consistently. So now the Hegstead, <clears throat> and again, this is a unique thing in California, Hegstead specifically, that name is a famous California case. Um, those of you in other states, typically that process is available to you. Um, but the trust process is the same in almost every state. If you have the, you have to find out what the, how the property is held and that's the most important thing. So let's talk a little bit about probate when there's contest and there's litigation. Now I know you do estate planning. I know you do, uh, you know, standard probates and probate administration. Um, what happens when, you know, there's a fight between brother and sister or cousins or, ex-wife or whatever and there's two parties involved 
and there's competing, you know, uh, petitions filed, or there's and the and the court has hearings to do that. Do you do that litigation yourself, or is that something? Yeah. That so okay. So so Bill was talking about the Jerry Springer family. <laughs> do you, do you, are you guys familiar with the Jerry Springer family? <laughs> I bumped into Jerry Springer at my local, uh, by the way, Walgreens, just FYI, he lived <laughs> near me. I saw him one time waiting for prescriptions. So look, mom died. There's four children. Two of them once are fighting in court to be in charge, to be the personal representative. Okay. Mom died. The son filed a probate. The son hired a lawyer to file a probation. The daughter files a probate petition as well, and they're fighting in court, okay? And it's gonna go nowhere. Some judge says, forget you guy, if you guy cannot come to an agreement, we're gonna put the public administrator on there. Forget you guy, if you guy cannot come to an agreement, we're gonna choose a professional fiduciary duty, uh, a, a professional fiduciary to be the personal representative. The best way to handle it, guys, is this. It's very simple. The best way to handle it in a situation like that is simple. Stop fighting in court. <clears throat> Here's what we're going to do. We're just going to have the two lawyer ensure that this house gets sold and that the house gets divided evenly among other children. So for example, um, let's say, let's say, you have one lawyer representing one the brother and you have another lawyer representing the daughter and um the statutory fee gets goes to each lawyer the person representing don't get the fee because they're going to pass it on to the other lawyer and things go smooth so work it out basically you're not going to go in the court and try and battle and show how bad your brother is and blah, blah, blah. The court don't want. The judge are so busy in probate court. You know, the, 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 the judge is not going to be amused, you know, to hear every little. The judge is not your psychiatrist, you know, your psychologist, <laughs> you know. The judge is not Jerry Springer. You don't have time for a one hour show. Yeah. yeah, so so you know, don't 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 have the attitude of man, my brother's so bad. I'm gonna go to court and crush him. Forget it, forget it. That ain't that's just for TV. Yeah. Well, and I think it's important to understand that you want attorneys who are experienced to see that. And Paul gets his business based on his reputation for being a good attorney, not one case, but his career. And so he knows, I'm sure any attorney who's done probate in LA knows of Paul Horn. And so they can work that out versus an attorney who doesn't know what he's doing. If all the guy does all day long is, is divorces, he's used to fighting every case and running up the bill. That's not going to serve your customer well. So it's really important. And that's one of the main purposes of, my, of this call today is just to show you, this is what a professional probate attorney looks like. This is what you want customers to have. If, if, you, if it's not geographically convenient, to work with Paul, maybe you're in Northern California or another state. He, uh, Paul, you only practice in California, correct? Oh yeah, it all. Um, I take probate cases all throughout California, and mm -hmm. and you know the the strategy I just told you mm -hmm. that can you know resolve the situation. 
Yes. Some lawyer doesn't even know it. Some lawyer's like, huh? What are you talking about? Oh, really? Right. It's like, it's, right. it's, 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 but like Bill right. says, an experienced probate attorney will be able to settle the score quickly, yep. get you guys to sell this house and move forward, be done with it. And they all know each other. The other thing I learned was by going to court every day, I noticed that there's a handful, uh, I think Paul does more, but does there's others that also do a lot, but they all know each other because they've worked at either in the same courtroom or same cases enough times to where it, they know it makes sense for them, makes sense for the court, because the, the judge also, he the judge will only get mad at the participants who are fighting they'll get mad at the attorneys for kind of egging them on they expect the attorneys to try to keep their customers crowd a little bit so that's a whole nother piece of this is the judge and the attorney relationship is important and that's the currency that paul uses okay so let's talk a bit so this is all probate i.e we didn't avoid probate it's too late please help me fix problem. now let's go to the other side which is Please, Paul, keep me out of probate court. What can I do to plan both to uh, plan for my family, for my spouse, for myself uh, to avoid probate, i.e. estate planning? Um, so let's talk about what when you see estate plans that require you to litigate uh, versus the ones that you write for people. What are the things that you do to keep people out of litigation uh, when there are trusts? Okay. <clears throat> The best thing that you can do for yourself when you go get your trust, the trust is not something that you print from the internet. It's not a package you pick up somewhere. To avoid litigation, to avoid your kids fighting, to avoid your son-in-law, daughter-in-law taking a share of your of the inheritance, the lawyer can set that up for you. An experienced lawyer is going to sit down and talk to you. What is your family like? You know, you have four children. Um, son number two, great son, but he has a drug problem. He's an alcoholic or he's special need. The lawyer can tailor your uh, trust to your family situation. The lawyer obviously listen to your wishes, okay? And an experienced lawyer to tell you, hey, that wish that you have, I'm sorry, it doesn't work that way. You are inviting litigation after you die. The most valuable thing, guy, is is the lawyer. Sit down and talk with the lawyer, and he will draft a plan for you that there is no fighting afterwards. Okay, and, and when you choose someone to do your trust, when you choose someone to do your trust, always, um, Bill, if you give me um, access to uh, share screen for one second, I want mm -hmm. to just point something out real, real fast. <clears throat> when you hire a lawyer to do your trust, you should do this. You should look for um you should go to his website go to his website and look for this logo right here you see this little bear right here mm -hmm. this this little bear it's every single lawyer who is certified in a particular law will have that logo right. 
So for example, if a lawyer is certified in probate and trust law, he will say so in his website. And he will back it up because the state of California allow him to use this logo as a way of a bragging right. And also as a way for the state of California to let you guys know who are the amateur, who are the professional. Mm. So to avoid litigation, always choose someone who's a certified specialist in estate planning law to do your trust. You cannot go wrong. You go to this website. When you look at my website, you see that all I do is estate planning and probate. And then you look down here, you see, oh, okay, there's the logo. Okay. So, and when you go to about us, if he is a specialist, he's going to say so. Like, for example, this first sentence, the State Bar of California has recognized Paul Horn as a certified specialist in estate planning. It's going to be there for every single lawyer who is a specialist. So save yourself some headache, right? Save yourself the horrible fighting in court. Look for a lawyer who has that little logo specializing in estate planning. And that's the logo from the State Bar of California? Yes. As opposed to, there's other logos you can buy, but that one you have to pass and be certified through the State Bar. Um, I, I would just add, if I can just modify a little bit, there are attorneys who also put on that list, guardianships, conservatorships, yes. elder law abuse, which are related. They're in the same realm. Correct. In the same realm, exactly. So, uh, but you certainly, when they have DUI, divorce, uh, <laughs> business litigation, uh, just know you're trading in a, a difficult area where if it's a big firm and they're just one attorney, they might specialize in those things, but you want an attorney who this is what they do, uh, this realm exclusively be effective. Imagine you go to, imagine you hiring a realtor mm -hmm. and you go to that realtor's website and that mm -hmm. realtor is also, he does plumbing as well too. <laughs> yes. He also does gardening. He also, I don't know, whatever, salon, cut hair, whatever, mechanic, right? It's, it's too much. Right. Right, exactly. Okay, real quick, Joanne, see your hand up. Let me just do some quick housekeeping. We are live streaming this on YouTube, Facebook, and LinkedIn. I see a couple of questions. I'm a little late getting to these. I'm sorry, I kind of got off my game. We started. Uh, Marvel, hi from California. Thank you for saying hi. Um, Neil asked a great question. Um, that uh, how common is it? You talked about the uh, the statutory fees. How common is it that a petitioner, a personal representative? collects the statutory fees on a probate case? If he or she is the sole heir, we normally recommend that he or she waive the statutory fee because when it's the statutory fee, it's income and he or she has to pay tax on it. Um, so your mom passed away, your mom has no trust, it goes to probate because you're the sole heir, you should let the lawyer know that you waive the statutory fee. So all that money becomes an inheritance. As an inheritance, there's a step up in basis where you don't owe, where you don't pay any income tax, okay? So if you're the sole heir, always waive the statutory fee. Um, 
but if you have four brother and sister you are the personal representative you're more than welcome to charge your fee but you're going to pay tax on it or you're more than welcome to say nah nah nah, nah. mom died let me take care of business i waive my fee i don't need to charge my brother and sister anything okay so 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 that is that ought to be kind of the um the jumping point whether you should whether you as the personal representative should accept that fee or waive that fee now <clears throat> That, thank you for the explanation. But the petitioners who have multiple heirs and they're their brothers and sisters, there's a lot of work involved in being the personal rep. It's it's not a full-time job. For some people, it's a full-time job, right? I mean, it's it, there's some work involved. Yeah, yeah. So what what I say is this. What I say is, hey, look at this chart. Probably takes one year to do. You don't have to make the decision whether you want to waive the fee or accept the fee. Tell me at the very end, tell me when we're about to close out the case. We start closing out the case in the six months or seven months, eight months of the life of the case. So doing month number eight while I'm, while I'm doing the final accounting, you can tell me whether you want to waive the fee or accept the fee because your sister pissed you off. She's been calling you every freaking day. <laughs> She's been haggling you. Why are you selling the house for $600,000 when you ought to be selling for $900,000? She's driving you berserk. You deserve a fee. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I see that all the time. So uh, thank you for pointing it out. And then in addition to fees, the personal representative's expenses as the administrator, some of those are are paid out of the estate as well right you might have four siblings yeah. yeah yeah every it's like court filing fees funeral expenses anything that you pay you, you can get reimbursed taking care of the property getting ready for sale yeah. junk out locksmiths things like that can all be reimbursed yeah and you know I, so so far you know just to kind of be on the same page um so far you've heard the phrase petitioner You've heard the phrase personal representative. You might have heard the phrase executor. You might have heard the phrase administrator. You might be wondering what the heck is all this? Okay. So this would be another good iPhone moment. Mm -hmm. Mom died, there's four children that one son that one daughter goes and petition the court to be in charge in the beginning before she's approved we call him or her the petitioner once he or she is approved then we call her the personal representative if mom left the will we call that person the executor if mom left no will we call that person the administrator Okay, so so I think I think this kind of parcel out the various type of vocabulary mm -hmm. I think is useful in your career. Yeah, I agree. One little trick I came up with is one executes a will, one administers the estate with no will. 
just to remind myself how the, the difference mm -hmm. the same effect in some regards, but that's those are two different words. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, so um, can we go back to I had a question. Okay, so again, it's when you say it's common, not common, it really depends on the case, whether you advise the executor administrator to get paid fees and depends on if there's claims and arguments, but it's fairly common when um, uh, for somebody to get that they don't need to decide up front it's not. Um, uh, it's, I guess at the end, the judge has to prove the accounting and one can object to the accounting other heirs can look at that and say hey you, you got paid too much. But there are is a law that tells the the, the guides to stay as to how much the fees can be the statutory fees correct. Yes, yeah, yeah, and it's um, so so California has a law how much lawyer can get paid, and that's called the statutory fee. So, so I'm going to share with you um, a um, a PowerPoint, a screen that shows you the fees involved. So can you can you all see my screen? The four percent, three percent, two percent. Yep. Yeah. So this is the fixed fee for the probate attorney. Whatever the probate attorney is getting, the personal representative is entitled to the same fee. So it's four percent of the first hundred grand, three percent of the next hundred thousand, two percent of the next eight hundred thousand. So for example. <clears throat> If the house is worth a million dollars, you calculate the flat fixed fee by the state of California. Um, the lawyer would make 23 grand and the personal representative will make 23 grand. Okay. So this is just the lawyer's fee, the personal representative fee. The there's other costs involved, like court filing fee is 465 newspaper publication could be 200 bucks could be a thousand there's the probate referee cost one tenth of one percent there's the bond cost so all in all you're looking at an additional 2500 just hard cost court filing fee newspaper yeah. appraisal okay so on top of the statutory fee you got these non-negotiable <laughs> hard cost that goes to the court, that goes to the newspaper, that goes to the probate referee, that goes to the bond company. And I always point out that the law says the same limits for both the attorney and the um, purse representative, because it is, it is the job. There's a lot of work to be done. Yeah. Like there's paperwork and there's forms you got to file and there's responsibilities. Uh, and, and, and I have some of the customers that complain about how much work it is. And I'll say, are you getting paid to do this? Maybe you should talk to your attorney about, you know, collecting the the fees because you're entitled to charge fees for your time. Exactly. Yes. Okay, Joanne, a good friend of the show, uh, has been very patiently waiting there. So, Joanne, let's get you unmuted. And uh, I don't know if you have your camera on. I'd be glad to bring you in if you want to. But what question do you have, Joanne? Okay. Can you hear me? Yep. Great. I have a quick question. Yep. Uh, the court granted full authority. And uh, there's a property that, that needs to be sold. So the PR accepts the offer. And the notice of proposed action goes out to all the siblings. And one sibling does not agree to the offer. 
So um, now the court, now court confirmation comes in, I assume. So my question is, does this open up the opportunity for someone to bid on the property? Okay. Okay, hold on one second. Well, let's, let me explain a couple terms here. So what Joanne's pointing out is even with mm -hmm. full authority, you still are required, maybe you can talk about this, Paul, you're still required to do a notice of proposed action. Yes. So okay. go ahead, Paul, explain that part first. <clears throat> so. Joanne's a pro, she knows this stuff, but so, other so, people are not. So Joanne's a pro and she, if you can give me screen sharing, um, yeah. Yeah. Joanne's a pro, she mentions the word uh, notice of proposed action. What the heck is that? All right, so let's be, let's set the ground first, okay? When you have full authority, in order to close escrow, you're gonna need three documents. The order for probate, mm -hmm. letters, and the notice of opposed action, okay? Mm -hmm. So in a life of a probate, in a life of a probate, um, the first two months, the lawyer is gonna give you order for probate and letters. When after after those two forms are issued, so after those two forms are issued, so for example, order. This is form number one that's needed to close escrow. Yeah. This is form number two that's needed to close escrow. Okay. So when you're probate, you must have this form to close probate. You must have this form to close probate. It's a must. The third form that you need is called a notice of opposed action, which is this form. You need these three forms. Okay. So after these two forms comes out, order for probate and letters, now you can accept an offer. Once you accept an offer, let's say for 500,000, the lawyer will notify all the other sons and daughters, hey guys, we got an offer for 500 grand. So here's your notice of post action. We're proposing that we sell this thing for 500,000. This thing goes out to all the heirs. 15 days later, no one objects. You can close that store. Joanna's situation is someone objected, right, Bill? Someone objected. Yes. And the objection is? I want more money for the property. Okay. How much more? A hundred thousand more. Okay. Let's talk to a listing agent. Listing agent. One of the sons is saying it should be worth a hundred more. Is that true, listing agent? No. Okay. All right. So hopefully talk some sense. Maybe have the listing agent talk to that one son, that one daughter, and say, hey, you're being unrealistic. You know, son, you looked at Zillow. Yeah, it's 100 grand more. But 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 have you seen your dad's house, man? It's got 75 years of deferred maintenance. 75. There's a hole in the living room. That leads to hell. I'm just kidding. You know, it's, it's, there's a lot of deferred maintenance. I hopefully talk some sense into the son. Okay. If, if he still doesn't budge, then it would go through court confirmation. That's when you say BS, the probate referee value the house for whatever, 505, 
we're selling for five hundred thousand. It's going to go to court, and it's get and it's going to get sold in court. Okay. Now, but now I, that same buyer may or may not be willing to go through court confirmation, right? Yeah, and I and I and and that's going to be like a three months delay, four months mm -hmm. delay. It's mm -hmm. going to cost the family a, a good six grand that six grand for a lawyer's fee, court filing fees, newspaper fees, and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Just have a chit chat with that son, that one daughter. So I have a question. So if it does go into court confirmation, let's say if somebody walks into court and they have a cashier's check and ready and ready to bid on, on, on that house, do they have the right to do so since it is a court confirmation situation? Absolutely, yes. Yes, that's okay. You answered my question. Yes. Perfect. Okay. Well, there's a few little fine points. If you go into court, you have to have the check in the, in the minimum amount that's required, right? Yeah, and as yeah. you made 10% uh, of the overbid price. Cashier check. Cashier's check, not personal check, not yeah. bank check, but cashier's check. And it has to be made out to the estate. Right. Now, you would, I don't know that you would necessarily know this, Paul, or not, but sometimes attorneys or realtor listing mm -hmm. agents will create additional requirements that are not in the statute. They'll say, oh, in order to bid, you have to sign all the disclosures. And here they are. That's an interesting question. Another one will say, I need to see proof of funds, even if 10%. I believe the probate code assumes that 10% is satisfactory for qualification, but there are attorneys and there are realtors who will say to you, you can't bid unless you're pre-approved. Miss Realtor, Mr. Realtor, I appreciate you asking all this, but you're not the judge. Correct. You, I have 10% cash you check. I'm going to bid on this house, period. When a judge called this case, I'm going to go up there. Okay, that's it. And that's I'm what I do. I'm giving 10% down. If I don't close, <laughs> I'm responsible for the damage. So what's the beef? Well, I, I'm about. just not to be argumentative, but I'll just share with you. I've had. No, no, no. I'm, I'm just saying that's how you would handle it, overcome yes. that objection. If someone trying to stonewall you from bidding yes. on that house, I've had, I've had attorney, and the judge will turn to the attorney for the <clears throat> estate and say, you know, and and I've seen attorneys say, no, we want them pre-approved, <clears throat> or they we don't know who they are. So I, I'm not arguing with you. I'm just saying, having been on that other end of that deal, you obviously would like to have the attorney and the listing agent on your side if you can we always want to have I, good relations i i agree but but you know you can always say hey okay you know if if, if, if i have the proof of fund handy i'll show it to you but you know we're 8 30 in the morning you know and and um you know if, if i have the proof of fund, i'll show you but but mr attorney Ms. Realtor, I'm giving you 10% down. If I don't close, I pay for the damages. It's a lot of money. You you can go have a really great lunch <laughs> with my $120,000, that's 10%. <laughs> Any lunch you want to eat at, you can do it. It's $120,000 right here. Cash your check. Thank you. Joanne, great question. Thank you so much for going through that. And that's why when you show up in court, like I did one time in Orange County and Paul Horn shows up, you're relieved because you know the attorney's on the up and up. You're gonna have a fair shot. We've been on a property. We didn't win it, 
but I knew the attorney was going to do the best interest of his client. And that's all I can ask for as a practitioner in the overbid business. So Joanne, I'd be glad to game plan a little bit with you if you want to go through some details in your case. I'd be glad to look at it and see if I can help at all from a realtor point of view. Okay, look, uh, Paul, um, I'm not paying your hourly rate. I'm really, really, but we are at the end of an hour. Um, so just a couple things, again, to thank Paul, if you want, if you have clients that have questions about probate, a secession, um, paulhornlawfirm.com. And on there, there's a number you can call, there's a local number, you can text them as well if you want to, to make an appointment. And then Paul also has developed probatemoney.com. I subscribe, I don't get a free or a discount. I'm a user, I think has the best, when you search a case, a report to give your client about the case is very well done, but it's probate data, as well as inside of that, some of the things you talked about how probate works, as well as if you want um, uh, want to you know, refer to him or an attorney as well, it's a great software program. Paul, I just want to say on behalf of everybody on our call today, I feel like we got a whole free certification class today. This was one I'm going to refer to. Thank you so much for your time as always, and thank you for your support. Yeah, and I, I just put in my uh, website there. Watch that video. That video is a really great living trust video. Fantastic. Watch it how you can pass the house to your kid tax-free, how if your son gets a divorce, the spouse cannot touch it and so forth. Watch that video. It is a great video. Fantastic. Thank you. Okay, good. So on the he put the link in the chat and I'll put it in the description as well on the paulhornlawfirm.com. Uh, there's a living trust video, definitely worth watching and uh, reach out to him as well for, for estate planning to avoid going to probate even though it's always good to see paul horn in probate court you don't want to have to go to you don't want to have to go to probate court to see paul horn paul and thank uh, you. All, yeah so all of you thank you for being with us today bill you're terrific keep up the great work thank thanks. you thanks so much and and for the rest of you uh, again this is probateweekly.com you can register if you want to come and zoom and participate at probateweekly.com on the eventbrite we continue conversation in Facebook at the Facebook group called Probate Weekly. You also post your own probate content there to promote your business. Probate only or estate planning only. We don't want to do just regular real estate stuff or promotional. And then last, if you use uh, want more information about me, you go to Linktree, L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E. And that has all of my different programs and how to reach me and such. Linktr E slash Bill Gross and love to see you there if you are so inclined. So again, thank you everybody for participating. Oh, and I'm on social media at Bill Gross Probate. Thank you everybody. Again, thanks to Paul. He's amazing. Uh, he's he's the, I don't know, I always learn so much from him. So thank you guys for participating. Give me a chance to learn from him and we'll see you again next week. Thank you so much.